Hi, and welcome to the Restore Body Balance podcast, where we combine psychology, biology, and neurology to enact life changes that stick. I'm Colleen Burns, licensed psychotherapist and founder of Restore Body Balance. Today, we will continue our episodes on you can either stress or digest. Last week, we talked about how food impacts mood, but also our entire nervous system. We also talked about the microbiome and how the enteric nervous system or your second brain, AKA your gut, actually governs your entire digestive tract. And it operates independently from the brain in your head. We also talked about how it impacts mood, disease, immunity, and of course, that wonderful term we hear all about, inflammation. So today I'm going to give you some tips, not only as a licensed psychotherapist and integrative health counselor, but also a mind-body practitioner specializing in stress. One of the tips I say to my patients is to reframe your stress story. So at any given time during the day, and I know this is very difficult listeners, but I also promise you it's possible that when you have a stressful event or even stressful thoughts, two very powerful phrases that not only did I learn in graduate school, but were reinforced from an evidence-based standpoint at the Massachusetts General Hospital in concert with the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard University, where we learned SMART, which is Stress Management and Resiliency Training, a certification I hold. And what they taught us is cognitive reappraisal and positive expectation. Certainly many of my clients and or patients back in the day of my working clad of McLean Hospital and Bay Cove Treatment Center heard me say this over and over and over, and I know it gets tired, but I promise you, when you reappraise a situation, it actually lowers that stress-based response. And if you can muster up any energy for a positive expectation, believe me, I know back in the day, When positive psychology came along, I thought, who wants to see a therapist that would say, hey, look on the bright side. Things aren't so bad. But really what it was teaching us is that having a positive expectation actually lowers the stress-based response and it stops that fight or flight. They've done numerous studies, whether it was folks suffering from cancer and going through chemotherapy, those that had a cognitive reappraisal for the situation and had a positive expectation fared five times better than those who did not. There are also numerous studies for things such as rosacea and eczema. Uh, Some treatments are treated with a certain type of light, sort of back in the day of, you know, tanning beds, where Folks would go in and they would have the treatment. In one cohort, they had mindfulness and meditation playing behind the wall. And that was, a, I believe, a double-blind study. And 
they again had their skin clear up exponentially faster than those folks that did not. So even though it took me an entire year to say positive expectation and cognitive reappraisal, I can now actually find the positive expectation and cognitive reappraisal. So for example, today we have a wonderful blizzard here in Boston. I record on Sundays and Nico Yutanis, my amazing talent behind the podcast, does all of his fancy footwork to make it sound good and maybe edit out an occasional blip or my dog, for example, coming in to make a cameo appearance. So thank you, Nico. Um, you know, the cognitive reappraisal today would be, hey, it's okay. It's snowy, but that's part of being in New England. And it actually is quite beautiful outside. And the positive expectation is that at some point we'll go out and shovel, get a little exercise, and it's all eventually going to melt and spring will come soon. So I know that that sounds very Pollyanna, but again, evidence-based, my friends, from very powerful minds that can actually see us lower our stress-based response and increase immunity. So let's just jump right in. Why is it important to reframe your stress story? Well, psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl once said, between stimulus and thought, there is space. In that space is our power to choose our response. So we know that stress creates wear and tear on the body, especially when we have negative thoughts and when we don't think that we are coping well. So reframing your stress can build your mental and physical resilience to these challenges in your life. So what I do is I actually ask my clients to keep a chart or keep a notebook where they actually take the event and they fill their stress story in, but then they can apply a better interpretation or belief in the event. And I also ask them to pay attention to the emotional responses that it brings up for them. And we can record this in what we have as a emotion response field. And then you look at the sequence and what your default reaction is, or as I like to say, reaction formation, according to psychology, which by the way, fires in a nanosecond, which I believe is one billionth of a second. I can't snap my fingers in one billionth of a second. But when you change your story and you redefine the event, you actually can generate a new type of emotional response. And we often do this in session, but then I ask them to do it outside of the session. Back in the day, everyone has heard me talk about A, B, C, D, E, activating event, A, B is the behavior, C is the consequence, and D is dispute the belief. And of course, E, if you dispute the belief enough times, the E will be your new emotional consequence. But what I learned and why I wrote my book, Prescription for Change, Using Your Lifestyle's Medicine, that it was impossible for my clients to do the D. When you have that reaction formation that fires in a nanosecond, it's extremely difficult to dispute the belief. But, which is why I, I feel that I stumbled on something very exciting, is when you take a couple of deep breaths, when you get into the parasympathetic nervous system, then we are amenable to change. 
Otherwise, we are just kids at the checkout counter or at Target, plugging our ears, having a temper tantrum, not able to hear any change or cognitive reappraisal or positive expectation. So that's what we're going to talk about today and how it affects the body, specifically digestion and room for interventions at each step. So when we have a physiological or even whether it's real or perceived mental, emotional response to stress, that's that fight or flight I often talk about or the sympathetic nervous system. And don't forget, in the sympathetic nervous system, your digestion slows down and the flow of food also slows down and you also divert blood and oxygen that all of a sudden goes away from digestion into the brain instead. So the parasympathetic nervous system, of course, as we know, is also rest and digest, rest and restore, rest and relax and rest and reproduce, but rest and digest. So everything slows under that parasympathetic nervous system. You can control your digestion, your sexual arousal, your salvation, urination and defecation. And that is good, but not all stress is bad. We've talked about that, but chronically living in stressful lifestyles does put our digestion on the back burner. And it can lead to a long list of potentially harmful consequences. So again, short-term acute stress, that's great. It helps us focus and perform. Chronic stress or long-term stress really damages our health, mentally and physically. Some of the consequences of chronic stress are increased belly fat and increased food intolerances and allergies, which we'll get to, leaky gut, elevated blood sugar levels, increased inflammation, as we talk about, an altered microbiome, increased acid reflux, indigestion, GERD, and ulcers. It also intensifies IBS symptoms, irritable bowel syndrome, also the increased risk of developing SIBO and lowered immunity. So this is something we need to really dive into deep today because not only are we going to talk about these particular consequences of of chronic stress, but we're going to look at some ways we can alleviate, mitigate, and treat. So number one would be take that deep breath. Maybe take a couple of deep breaths, okay? The GI tract works best when the mind and body are calm. And so we're going to look at creating awareness to create this change. So let's say five ways that we can encourage rest and digest. The goal is to quiet the sympathetic nervous system and activate the parasympathetic nervous system, especially during meals. So the first thing which you want to do is leave your problems behind. So create a ritual or a reminder to signify a transition. Some people call this a worry jar. 
I have lots of wonderful tools that I teach my clients and give my clients when they need uh, a physical transition, whether it's spraying Evian face spray, whether it's washing their hands, putting on lotion. You know, there's a physical um, and mental pause that we need to do when we want to look and plate our food, for example. You also want to plate your food nicely out of respect to yourself. Then you want to create, number two, body awareness. So savor each bite. Notice the textures. Pay attention to your breathing. Also, tune into your body sensations as you eat. Three would be, I know, overplayed, express gratitude. Why? Well, because you want to acknowledge gratitude at the start of your meal. You want to visualize all of the nourishment that you're about to have and or thank the people that either picked the fruit or vegetables, transported it to you, delivered it to your door, etc. And thank yourself or whomever prepared the meal. I know it seems silly, but these rituals are vitally important to get into stress, out of the stress mode. These are very important to get out of the stress mode and get into rest and digest. And try to eat without distraction. Maybe you might even need to leave your workplace. If you're listening to this during our COVID climate, this is important, folks. I really find it difficult to have my children not eat in their bedrooms where they go to school these days. And I do encourage them. I just bought my daughter a bento box, if anybody knows what that is. And it really does help a little bit with actually presenting her meals to herself in a way that's physically pleasing. You know, for some of us, it could create portion control, but it also just makes your meal fun and it makes it something different than just slapping something on a plate or throwing it in a bowl. So try to leave your workspace if possible. And really, it's important if you could put your phone or your devices away. I know that that's super hard. Please believe me, we are all spending way too much time on our devices. Just taking a few minutes to actually enjoy your meal is really important. And then lastly is to try to dine in a way that's maybe free of clutter, maybe put some soothing music on or lighting. Eventually we'll be able to eat outside again. And even if it's possible to share meals together, even if it's just with a friend or a loved one. Now, what you want to also look at here is what is happening during this, let's say, stress-based system when we're eating, which is not rest and digest, we want to look at what we can do to sort of help along the way. So again, the parasympathetic nervous system supports rest and digest, okay? And you want to look at several things that are happening, okay? When you're maybe not in the sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system. First of all, when you think about stressful things or you're in the stress-based response, the hypothalamus in the brain tells the pituitary gland to turn on several hormones in the adrenal glands, like cortisol. So your heart rate increases, again, fight or flight is activated, and it increases the blood flow to the brain and muscles and blood sugar. It also triggers and releases norepinephrine, 
the hormone that works with epinephrine by increasing blood pressure and, of course, telling your adrenal glands to make more adrenaline to prepare you for danger. Smooth muscles in the body, including the intestines, then all of a sudden get worked up and scrunched up and blood is diverted and all of a sudden you go into that fight or flight mode. You want mental sharpness, a quick escape perhaps. That's priority one. But guess what else happens? You want to look at your stomach acid ooh, and your digestive enzymes stop working. All the things necessary for digestion are not happening. The sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems are like the gas in the brakes in your car. You have to take your foot off of one in order to step on the other. In fight or flight, blood sugar rises and it provides your body with fuel. Your liver breaks down sugar instead of sending bile to the gallbladder and your breathing and heart rate speed up. So that's very helpful if you're trying to get out of an emergency situation, but not good when you're trying to digest. We also want to look at that first surge of stressful hormones, okay? The HPA or the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal is activated. And again, your body sends off cortisol. It's going to maybe increase inflammation. It increases visceral belly fat, and this prolonged inflammation also leads to vascular disease and heart conditions or risk for cardiac event. And again, we want to look at that prolonged inflammation that's releasing cortisol, increasing your appetite. This is a whole shift in my book, Prescription for change because I see so many clients struggling, and I do say to them, It's not your fault. Believe it or not, it's just not about willpower. Your appetite actually increases in fight or flight because, you know, all of a sudden you need to get out of danger. You need quick fuel. But guess what? You're not actually running from the tiger, as I say. So you're not actually burning the calories from being in fight or flight or from fleeing from danger. And again, you get that increased belly fat. But because your body doesn't know this, cortisol increases again, and then you're hungry again. Next thing you know, you're stress eating. So relaxation helps with all of this. Again, we need to breathe and get into that parasympathetic nervous system. Other things that happen to get back into digestion in the lower GI tract would be an increase of allergies and food intolerances. Or for anybody that does already have a condition, we see increased flare-ups here. Again, when the body is stressed, it releases chemicals, including histamines. So stress intensifies allergies especially allergies to certain foods. Stress does not cause allergies, by the way, but it can make them more sensitive and it increases those food intolerances. So why does this happen? Well, because we get leaky gut. 
stress increases the sensitivity of that mucosal layer or mucosal barrier in the small intestine and colon that I mentioned last week. Chronic stress can cause further breakdowns of this lining and make it more permeable. And when you're more permeable, especially in that intestinal lining, things get through and things get more leaky. It's almost like having a cut on your finger where the layers open up to let white blood cells in to repair the wound. And when it's healed, the inflammation goes back down. Except with stress, there's nothing to fix. So it stays inflamed. And this continuous release of stress hormones also not only causes that increased belly fat, it increases food intolerances, again, that leaky gut, the inflammation that's increased, and also increases for GERD, reflux, ulcers, acid, indigestion, and the risk for SIBO and lowered immunity. So again, as you can see, this will lead to increased doctor visits. Chronic stress weakens the body, my friends, and it makes you more susceptible to many other conditions. Go back to that increased belly fat, increased stress signals that release cortisol. Cortisol then makes you have this lovely layer of visceral abdominal fat. That's the fat that's around your waist and your organs. They want to protect your organs, these little fat cells. And again, this is also a very dangerous kind of fat because it produces cytokines, which cause inflammation. And again, prolonged inflammation, especially with visceral abdominal fat, increases your risk for heart disease, vascular disease, blood sugar for, you know, diabetes, depression, hello, my mental health friends, okay, and dementia. That's the latest research. Then go back to folks that are looking to lose weight. It increases cortisol and that increases appetite. So you're taking in more calories than you need, but you haven't actually burned the calories again. That's so important. I need to repeat it. But your body just keeps going back and forth. And then you have the emotional component to that, right? And again, that's in my book, Prescription for Change that it's really not your fault, but it, it's causing you to overeat or stress eat. That knowledge alone can equip you or maybe give you a little incentive to decrease the stress in your life. And again, it's that mind-body medicine, that relaxation response that I often refer to that's so important here. Let's move on to what else happens in terms of we can either stress or digest. Well, we talked about those food intolerances. When the body is stressed, it releases chemicals, histamines. So even though stress, again, does not cause allergies, it can make flare-ups worse or even trigger food allergies. When your blood sugar is soaring and cortisol is high, 
your body becomes more intolerant to certain foods. Leaky gut, for example, is dramatically increased with stress. Again, it's that mucosal barrier of the small intestine in the colon that all of a sudden secretes mucin to protect against damage of stress. But again, we see this breakdown of the lining and that causes that further intestinal permeability. So basically, inflammation makes things more leaky. So the walls need to fix that problem, okay? And we don't want certain things getting through. So again, when you look at that inflammatory response and opening up that layer, your immune system is also compromised. And you want to look at why it was important for me to talk about finding a nice place to have a meal acknowledge, give gratitude towards the meal, plate your meal, have respect for your meal and have respect for yourself. It is so important. It's so important. You have to look at, again, these little junctions in your body that start to break down or your blood circulation that's diverted away from the gut. And that is going to also affect malabsorption of certain nutrients and minerals that we need. Like I said, if you eat all the kale in the world, but if you're not actually chewing your food or getting it where it needs to be, that was really a waste of time and energy and kale. Um, And we also want to look at that bacteria that can find their way across that epithelial barrier that I mentioned last week. Okay, we want to look at how the gut's ability to rebuild is important here. We can heal the gut. We can heal the intestinal lining and we can support and stimulate the immune system. The other thing that I want to bring up is when we're in that stress-based response, again, we can either stress or digest. In that sympathetic nervous system state of mind, you have Again, elevated blood sugar levels, okay? That produces glucose. That, of course, is the fuel for a fight or flight. But passing sugar along your muscles so that they are ready for danger is great, except when it becomes chronic. So cortisol from stress prevents or inhibits the body to produce insulin, which carries glucose into your cells because your body believes it needed that quick access to the sugar and again for that fight or flight. But too much glucose in the blood and elevated blood sugar levels basically set you up for what we call insulin resistance. So stress affects our ability, especially with carbs, and inhibits your body from being able to use those carbs in a way that we need to. So even though I know it's tempting to turn to comfort foods in times of stress, you really are better off saving that ice cream or cookie when you're eating it in a calmer state. I hope that made sense because your body can more efficiently take on that extra sugar. So I'm not saying not eat it, just eat it in a calmer state. Next, I want to move on to that increased inflammation. 
And again, why it affects our digestion. Chronic inflammation takes a toll on the body, as I've often said, and it actually has a second whammy, as we want to say. It's also increasing us for the susceptibility, rather, uh, to anxiety and depression. It's no surprise that our society is hitting an all-time high in a prevalence of these conditions. And at the same time, we're experiencing more problems and more gut issues. Inflammation also makes it difficult to absorb nutrients and those building blocks of life. We mentioned last week, serotonin is manufactured in the gut, not the brain. So we really can't feel our best when we are inflamed. We also want to look at that altered microbiome. I know I've mentioned this a few times, but again, stress really does affect the diversity of our microbiome. The more stressed a person is, the less healthy bacteria exists in their gut. But again, you can manage stress and we can decrease those negative states of stress and keep a healthy microbiome. This goes for physical and emotional stress, okay? Both of them. So it's important not to push things too hard physically either. The last few things I want to talk about are increased acid reflux, indigestion, GERD ulcers. We'll move on to the intensified IBS during stress-based response. And then that increased risk for SIBO and how we can help out. So acid reflux is a very common problem from people. And again, it's still under review of how this happens. We had that wonderful, (laughs) in my opinion, digestive track episode where we talked about where food goes from coming into our mouth and chewing down the esophagus into the stomach, etc. It's really important to know when you might be experiencing acid reflux. Many people experience this when they're stressed and we don't even realize that we are producing more gastric acid when we're stressed, mainly because we'll experience heartburn, but many of us have protective lipids in the stomach that increases or decreases during stress, allowing that gastric acid to come into contact with the stomach more, stomach acid more often. That's also why there is that intensification of IBS symptoms. People that experience IBS have increased inflammation and a hyper-awareness to pain. As a result, the more you have flare-ups, the more sensitive the gut is, and then it's more easily triggered. So folks that I work with basically, again, get that double whammy, adding insult to injury when stress becomes um, a trigger and IBS is intensified. It's hard to take it easy, right, when your IBS symptoms are really taking us down. So focusing on stress-relieving activities, exercises can be really, really helpful for IBS sufferers. And also um, mind-body medicine. The more we can be mindful and meditate and present in the moment, again, that becomes very psychosomatic in terms of that you know, trigger behavior reward. 
I also mentioned that there's the increased risk of SIBO because again, in times of stress, rest and digest is not activated. So part of rest and digest is the activation of the migrating motor muscle complex or migrating motor complex, which is the cleaner, or I like to call the janitor. Um, and its action is muscular, similar to peristalsis that um, peristalsis rather that we mentioned last week. It's moving food through the migrating motor complex, and it basically cleans up all the residue. It moves all the waste and the bacteria to the colon. So we'll call it the MMC for short, is not activated in fight or flight, and the bacteria may not be swept out of the small intestine efficiently or effectively as it should be. Also, during stress, regular peristalsis is slowed down. So the slower the transit time, the higher risk for SIBO. So you see where I'm going here. There's lots of, you know, different ways we could intervene, right? When we look at symptoms and we look at digestion. And again, it all really does come down to having that relaxation response, you know, elicited and training your brain, which we can all do for rest and digest. Probably stopping here, I just want to touch a little bit on the lowered immunity piece. Again, cortisol is released during stress. And of course, we know it lowers our immune function, but it also suppresses the immune system, right? And so people that are constantly stressed are more susceptible to getting sick. And when you're living in a chronic state of stress, the body basically develops a different threshold or set point. And so what happens is what was stressful before is now exemplified. So smaller stress points become these habitual responses to the body that activates that HPA access. Okay. So the lower your set point, the brain will react with a full stress-based response, even with smaller stressors. The body is in that constant, like full survival mode, and there's no off switch. So very similar to when the body gets used to a certain weight, the body craves calories to keep that person's weight at where it was, what the body liked. When the body was used to that certain chemical level of stress, it basically wants to take that uh, status quo up. So again, we have to look at with chronic stress, we can stress or digest. And the body is actually designed to live um, without being in a chronic state of stress. But many of our disorders and symptoms that I mentioned before, especially with post-traumatic stress syndrome, are related to this sort of stress and dysregulation of that HPA axis. So again, if you keep your foot on the gas pedal at all times, you eventually 
kind of give your body out, right? You wear your body out and it's the same with the car, right? If there's no brakes, you're just sort of full on going um, and you can't stop. And that's a really scary feeling. And again, that is real or perceived stress. So, you know, I have a whole different podcast on that stress-based response and especially using smart stress management and resiliency training. Um, But today, I just thought it was really important to look at not only what we know stress does on a daily basis, but really where we can intervene and and have optimal digestion and actually enjoy our meals. So again, let's digest instead of stress and try that cognitive reappraisal and positive expectation. Um, Nico reminded me of what I use in my book, which is one. So uh, everyone has a clever acronym. Um, So like the ABCDE, mine is one, which is to observe your thoughts and feelings. That's, That's the O. N is to negate, which literally is that dispute the belief. And then E is for echo, right? Because we want to be able to echo that back to ourselves, that when we catch ourselves going down the rabbit's hole, when we catch ourselves eating fast, when we catch ourselves eating in the stress-based response, just stop, observe, negate what you're doing, negate the thoughts, and then echo it back. And so once again, I just want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in. And you can find out more about my programs um, at www.restorebodybalance.com. Thank you again for listening, especially during our COVID climate. Reach out to me for any questions and more information on my programs where I combine the psychology of the mind, the biology of the body, and the neurology of the brain to enact life changes that stick. See you next week and stay safe.